is the 10 to 1 podcast with your host, Brad Omen, featuring Ben Conowitz and Nate Lauchs. And here's the podcast. Hello, friends. Welcome. Welcome, welcome. Good to have you. Good to be back. Yeah. What are you doing? NPR's delicious dish <laughs> yeah, over here. Delicious dish. NPR. It did feel a little. It, it did feel a little like professional. Like sweaty balls. That's uh, enough. Okay. All right. All right. Hey, Brad. If you're going to be so angry, why don't you just talk then? Talk about things. Just tell us what yeah, we what? should talk about. Go ahead. You know, I'm, I'm sick of people just telling me how to live my life. Wow. So this is a Saturday Night Live review podcast where we talk about the latest episode of Saturday Night Live. And this week, musical guest Twenty One Savage. And the host, Shane Gillis. You know, there's a lot of people that did not like the musical numbers this week, uh, but I wouldn't know what is a good 21 Savage song, so... You're did, not, a, did, not, a, not, a, not a big listener? Did, not a... Not, you know, I don't know do his whole discography. Did you do the song where he was like, I'm gonna do a rap song. I got a big old song or rap. That's... <laughs> that's dead on. Yeah. I don't... Listen, I, I'm old. I, I just don't I, don't... I don't get it. I'm just old. That's all I have to say about that. I just that. need some, like... Puff Daddy or Notorious B.I.G. or Mace. Do you remember Mace? Do you I guys do. remember Mace? I do remember and Mace. And the uh, S was a dollar sign in his yeah, name. He that became was... a pastor. Did he really? He did. Yeah, why don't you know this? He got out of the game. Well, I know that Mace exists, but I mean, I didn't know he was a pastor. No, I don't go to his church. You don't have to go to his church to know he's a pastor. I don't know every pastor. I would have thought right? that a pastor who's just in the music would know that a rapper became a priest or a pastor. Just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean I know all of the pastors. You don't have to know him personally. <laughs> Uh yeah, so I mean, if you if you happen to tune in to Saturday Night Live uh, this weekend and you didn't know who Shane Gillis was, uh yeah, don't don't Google it per his monologue. Uh, Shane, I mean Shane Gillis knew that that was going to be a thing. So yeah, uh, if if you haven't heard of Shane Gillis before, he hosted somehow. Uh, Shane Gillis was once hired as a featured player by Saturday Night Live in 2019. Yeah, and then uh, with Bowen Yang, right? Mm-hmm. Or no, Bowen Yang was his replacement. No, no, he was hired with Bowen Yang. Bowen well, Yang. I thought Bowen Yang nope. was the one they brought in afterwards. Nope, they okay. all were there. And so uh, was he, that Melissa Vian's in yours year too? No, no. A, a Chloe Feynman, I think, was okay. the other one. Uh, anyway, so he got hired, and then a few days later, he was fired. He was unhired before because he didn't really actually get fired because he didn't really start to work. So no, he was just unhired. No, but he got hired. They rescinded yeah. the offer. He, they, they announced his. Uh, yeah, no, yeah. he had, he had been hired, and he was fired. Mm, okay. uh, well, that's semantics. Well, if you read the trades, you'll see that they used both of those words when they described unhired. the situation. Unhired. Uh, he was fired. <laughs> Uh, because there were some uh, racist and homophobic remarks that he had made on his podcast that he co-hosts with uh, Mark McCluskey. Is that his name? Something like that? I've never listened. It's, yeah, it's like Shane and Mark's comedy fun bag or whatever the fuck it is called. It is the number one podcast in America on Patreon. He makes $180,000 a month on that podcast. And now some of that was fueled by the fact that because he was fired by Saturday Night Live for making these remarks. So people get very excited about the cancer culture. He has turned this into a career for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And so... Uh, he so him having him come back to host and now that he is a bigger stand-up comedian he has his own special on Netflix uh, he's been hanging around with the likes of Dave Chappelle for better or worse um, and that so, can only be for worse and so he is uh, he hosted Saturday Night Live which is a, a big thing and it, there's not it's not usually comedians on his level that are getting this kind of gig it's kind of shocking because he's not a household name he's not you know as big as like Nate Bargatze as Dave Chappelle Louis C.K. you know like those those are people who are at like huge selling out arenas and stuff like that and Shane's not quite there so uh, it was but they did, I do they did do 
Gerard Carmichael got it. You know, and he he was he's not Gerard famous. Carmichael is one of those people who I feel like like that's what that's a cool one to have on. You know, because like he he's very respected among like comedians. But circles I also think and, like that there if you're if we're just talking about like nobody knows who he is level. He's also been in movies. Yeah, but I don't. Do you think though, Shane Gillis? Like they brought him in because he is very popular amongst the let's say Joe Rogan group. Oh, for right? sure, yeah. And so bring him in because that is the demographic we don't have really strong right now. So uh, it was. Do you think it was a little bit strategic for sure bringing in a different type of audience? Yeah, I mean they're not dumb. They want more eyeballs. This is a good move if you were trying to get more eyeballs, no matter what it says about. Or at least different eyeballs, anyway. He is a successful comedian. He he's he's making well, a living. The, the idea know, that we all need to remember, obviously, is you have your base people of uh, like my friend Liz. She she will watch SNL every week until the day she dies. She's an SNL fan. SNL is not marketing to her, mm-hmm. right? They should be marketing to the Joe Rogan crowd because again, there's nobody watching already. So that's that's more eyeballs yeah. because you've got this base level that always watches. So how do we get more? So they used to do it. I think they used to do it a lot more through musical guests. Remember when BTS was on? Yeah. There was an enormous ratings bonanza for SNL because they got the most popular band in the world mm-hmm. to be on. I mean, anytime Taylor Swift's on, anytime these larger musical acts are on or different musical POD. acts. Definitely, definitely. POD. Has, has POD ever been on us though? Probably they had, not. It had to have been. I don't know. I don't know. Back in the early 2000s, they were pretty big. Yeah. Was Creed ever on? Oh, yeah. 100%. Oh, I'm sure Creed, Creed was, was on. Creed definitely on. Hey, listen, I don't I know. I mean, Creed should have been a multi guest. <laughs> I mean, once they were, a year for about three they years. They were awesome. Can you take okay, all right, me all right. higher? Okay. <laughs> you, can't, you can't not do it. Can't not do it. Uh, so, anyway, uh, this is episode what of season 48? Yep, sure is. Hey, by the way, I did just look it up. Thanks to snlarchives.net. Uh, Creed was on November 17th, 2001. Once. There you go. Guess who hosted then? <gasps> Wait, say the date again? Uh, November 17th, 2001. Tobey Maguire. Uh, John Goodman. That's a good guess. What? John Goodman. No. Ashton Kutcher. Yeah, there you go. That, that, that kind of group of Topher Grace. Ashton, Ashton Kutcher, Kutcher was like, the 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 comedy Tobey Maguire at the time. Yeah, the comedy Tobey Maguire. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Oh, good. Um, anyway, this has been fun. Well, that's the episode. Thanks so much for listening. Yeah. Uh, well, let's let's get into the show. We we start off with our favorite, uh, a political cold open. Yeah, Trump victory party cold open. Senators Tim Scott, James Risch. Lindsey Graham and Marco Rubio, played by Devin Walker, Mikey Day, James Austin Johnson, and Marcelo Hernandez, discussed Donald Trump over a meal. Let, let me say this. We we talk about these cold opens often, about the political cold open, and we just need to kind of sit in there and deal with it because that's what it's going to be until forever. Um, and we're not always a huge fan of it, not because we don't like political sketches, because they're just often pretty lazy. And I think all three of us agree it is the first foot forward for viewers. And oftentimes the cold open is the worst sketch all right, night. Right. And so um, let, let, let me let me give a compliment to the sketch because there's one thing I want to say is. Nice sets. It was short. It was a great premise. I liked the premise of the sketch. I think there was humor to be found. I know. I, I will agree. I know you're making, I thought it was, you're making a face. Brad. I thought it was poor execution, but the idea of 
all of the bad things Trump has said about this group of survivors, you know, these senators that are cowards that, you know, but all the things that he has said poorly. And then they're like, no, 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 but, but he's the greatest president ever. There, there's humor in there. There is humor in there. It just was, it, it was stilted. It's, it wasn't one of those things great. where we say you can't just repeat what they, what yep. they say. Right. But in this type of sketch, you can. Because that's where it's impactful. Didn't he really honestly say that you're a piece of shit? Yeah. yeah no, no, told, those, told me verbatim. Call me a piece of shit. See, for me, why this didn't like work for me on that level, though, is because it, it would be an amusing premise if this didn't actually happen. For me, this was one of those things where like this is such a sad state of affairs because these are actual politicians who have been completely ridiculed and just skewered by Donald Trump and then they come back and lick his boots and kiss his ass and suck his toes and all these fucking things and now like it's it, it, but like you're supposed to laugh at it but i just feel sad cuz like that's just what's happening like this is they're not fully really not really doing a sketch they're just repeating what has happened which is what they do a lot with with like political humor See, i think i days. think this is different though because instead of just getting up there and impersonating tim scott and saying the things he mm-hmm. said this is taking the things that that Donald Trump had said about them verbatim, and then the the punchline is then that that they're obviously still licking boots. Yeah, but there's something to be said. But there. that's that's my point though is like that's what they're actually doing in real life. So it's not funny to me. It's just it's annoying. What I think would have made it a slight again, we're idiots. We need to we need to put that out there. We're not writers for SNL. Every writer on SNL, whether you were there for an episode or longer, smart on us. But what I would have liked to have seen more is a little bit more awkwardness in there. Do you remember uh, when Will Ferrell did a sketch? With a family sitting around the table, and you could hear the the oh yeah yeah it's such a funny premise. It was really a patient sketch. Like I would have done something a little probably more in that line where uh, they're afraid to say it, but then they say it, and they all experience the same thing. So you you're all getting bullied by the same thing. You know there is that um, that 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 non pause in this sketch where they didn't let it they give it much time to breathe. Because but but the nice thing about that one sketch is. The, the pause, you still had something to focus on, right? There was still something well, going on. Tension there. building. The pause in this looked like nobody knew their lines to me. Like, it just it just didn't seem Well, thankfully, that, that didn't happen throughout the rest of the night. Yeah, it was just... Oh, perfect execution yeah. the whole way through. It's, and this isn't really a Shane Gillis thing. This has been the, the fact for a lot of the episodes this season for me. Like, there's just been some stilted, just not, not really good choreographed type of sketches, in my opinion. So... Some of that, I think, is a Gillis problem, though, because the host can totally throw off the rhythm. Yeah. Also, you have to remember, uh, this guy was hired as, imagine you're hired as a feature performer, right? And then you you don't get the job, right? So it means you have no practice. And then a five, years, five years later, you're the same level of sketch performer that you were, were going to be as a featured player. Now, imagine you're a featured player and you're asked to host the very first week. Yeah. That's what they did with Shane Gills, and of course he's not ready to host because he's he's not a sketch performer no, whatsoever. He's but, got no experience. But Nate Bargassi has even, you know, he's and got he the was same. still pretty stilted here and there, but not yeah, as bad as. But Shane I felt Gilles. like Bargassi did a little better job. But all right, let's move on to Shane Gillis' stand-up monologue, written by Shane Gillis. Uh, host Shane Gillis does stand up about coaching sports, his family, and owning a coffee shop. He brought in, if anybody has listened to his latest Netflix special, there were some things in there that he brought in, particularly the Down Syndrome bits uh, Mm -hmm. are in his Netflix special. Um, So you can do, comedians do this often. You can do one, I thought that would be get a bigger laugh. You can do one of those. Not four? You can't keep doing it because um, any more than that, and it it just just, starts to look a bit panicky. It reeks of sadness? Yeah. And it can almost come across insulting to the to the audience. I will say, 
I looked at the r slash live from New York on on SNL or on Reddit, and from redditor Fortuna, Fortuna get this right, two is this dead. Right. Uh, said they were at the actual taping, um, and they said so. This is the one time I've been to a taping of SNL, so I don't have an in person audiences to compare it to. However, I've been to stand up and improv shows in LA, and New York City, and even uh, been in audiences for sitcoms, comedy specials, and Conan. My impression of the audience last night was that they were not particularly responsive at all. The cold open was pretty much dead silent. The monologue was scattershot. He was legitimately responding to the live audience when he said he thought it wasn't going well. The rest of the show had highs and lows in terms of laughter. Some sketches and pre-tapes had more robust laughter and other ones felt like they were just drowning. Uh, so it was basically describing every episode of SNL ever? No. It's just like but, a normal no, audience? I, no. I will. I will say I did feel like when I was watching it, the audience was not really into. Look like, at the band behind them. Much of <laughs> yeah, much of anything that was happening, like even the sketches that felt like they worked, they weren't laughing a lot. I, I do think it was a tough audience too, yeah. and that uh, SNL performers will tell you there are sometimes where they're hitting the marks. It is a funny sketch. It works on you know online. It goes viral, and, and then the audience it just doesn't work as. As painful as it was to watch a stand-up comedian's monologue not go well on live TV on a scale of like a Saturday Night Live, it there was something about it that was actually kind of endearing to me because like you you, you mentioned this in our text thread that we have where it felt like he was doing pure stand-up like he's doing the kind of stand-up that you do at a club where like if you exactly. have a, a crowd that's not working very well you, you are gonna bring it up yeah you make fun of it you know and like and he did he he did like. Makes some like decent laughs about it too. He's like, he's like, I can tell this isn't going well. I can look see you guys. Michael like, Che does the, that the, sometimes. The lights are really good the, in the, here. It's really good, so I can see the people not enjoying my. Yeah, set, exactly. Which is a great bit that you would do in a club. And which again, in that thread, I did bring that up because he treated it like a real stand-up set for real. And because he's a fucking stand-up, that's yeah. all he knows. So I did think I agree, Brad. At the same time, the audience being that cold, that's tough. I mean, and again, you're allowed to punch down when it's your dad. Like well, and he, the, he's making fun of his dad, and it's okay, yeah, it didn't work. Well, and you know, I think, I don't know. and I think part of it too, like. So because his material like touches upon things that people are uncomfortable, are, are, yeah, more sensitive about. They weren't maybe sure if they could laugh at the Down syndrome yeah, joke, there, or, there are, there or are even the joke, or even the joke of saying like you're gay for your mom. I think that's a, a really funny bit. So, and I, I normally don't. Yeah, every little boy is gay. Uh, is their mom's gay best friend? Yeah, I thought it was hilarious. That's, that's really a funny. Great joke. And I read. I don't really don't read about SNL at all, but I was so curious as to see like how the liberal, honestly, some of these woke, really crazy, outlandish, like mm, well, that's not. And it was. I read, more to the left of I read something. article after article where it was just like you know you really still allowed to say gay in a monologue i'm like oh my god is this really what we've come to like i don't i don't like any of that like i'm i'm a very big liberal but i just i and just feel like that's a funny fucking joke and it's not about being gay here's Especially, the thing yeah. that, I, that i pointed out in my review too is uh someone like bowen yang has not been shy about expressing when he is upset about certain people being at snl it was very clear he wasn't happy about Dave Chappelle being there. He posted a thing and ended up deleting it about Nikki Haley being there. He's not shy about expressing that kind of thing. Hey, Brad, what did Bone Yang do at the end closing credits? They hugged each other. Yeah. No, and actually, actually Bone hugged each other up front in front of the camera, not yeah. in the back where it's hidden. He was very happy yeah. to see Shane Gillis. And I, so I, I, I think that they, they probably, have, first of all, have a kinship because they did both get Saturday Night Live at the same time. They probably have been running the same comedy circuits for years because that's what happens when you're a comedian who's just running the gamut. You go to the same clubs, you go to the same places, especially if you're in New York City or something like that. I know it's a hot fucking take to say that Shane Gillis is funny. Yeah. It is a hot take these days. because He is funny. Because, funny. He is funny. But the problem is, much like 
five years ago Tom Segura, his fan base sucks. Right. Tom Segura's fan base sucks. I've been to Tom Segura shows in Indy, and it's a bunch of monster energy drinking, dually truck driving. Yeah, you tell them gay F words, what's up? Like, that's. You got, the, he, you got the truck nuts? It's, yeah. Truck they nuts. believe that what. Affliction t shirts. Yeah, 100%. Because they can't afford tap out? <laughs> yes. It's a thousand percent that. And Shane Gillis has that problem because he's marketing himself to the Joe Rogan experience. So you've got to be. The, these people are, are, are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, make fun of them, R words. But he's not. If you watch the fucking stand up and you yeah. pay attention to it, there it's a lot you, more you nuanced. You know, than he that. loves his uncle. He loves his obviously loves. Of course, it, you know. and he's he's literally been a coach at the Special Olympics. Yeah. He's not doing that to, to make fun of him. Wait, wait, wait you moron! You think that and that's, people and do that's that? the thing too is the jokes he he when he that he makes quote unquote about people with Down syndrome. They're not jokes like at their expense. It's about the practicalities of like what they have to deal with. Like that joke about how like the restaurant where they employ Down syndrome yeah. people. He's like, you know that that they're just bringing out apple juice for everybody. You know, <laughs> like, we still haven't figured out how to, yeah. how to stop that. Also, uh, he's got a joke in his Netflix special where he says that uh, you know I don't know I, I've been around a lot of people with Down syndrome and they love two things: it's women and John Cena. Now that's it's a very yeah. good fucking joke. And it's not punching down because it's 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 a it's a generalization, of course. But the fact that like he's been around it and seen enough of it, that's not to me. That's not punching down. Yeah, exactly. It's making an observation, and yeah. that's there's a huge difference there. And I, but no, we've just lost a lot of nuance. That's all. no. And so like and so like if someone like Bo and Yang is like on the level with him, and the remarks that Shane Gillis was in trouble for were both considered homophobic and racist against Asian people. Bo and Yang is cool with Shane Gillis. He can't be this like villain. I feel like so. Yeah, the, and and again, also, Bo Yang will call out yeah, anybody that he and Even the the most woke article that I wrote, read about uh, Shane Gillis's SNL, it, that writer even put in context. I haven't even seen the the stuff he got in trouble for. He even put in the context of the article. And yes, the podcast remarks that were made. Sure, you can make the argument that he was playing what a bigot would say instead of him actually saying, sure, you could say that. But so it was still even, even he was admitting that that's, it's a little murky how that came out. Yeah. So again, is he making those jokes or is he making jokes about people that make those jokes? It's a right. very fucking fine line. And I'm sorry in this day and age, you have to be able to get into the weeds with nuance if you want to have a real opinion you know, to me, yeah. to tell me how I Especially think. Especially in comedy. Exactly, because it is so fucking nuanced. It was interesting because there was a lot of former SNL people like Jay Farrow, uh, Melissa Villasenor, that commented on the SNL Instagram how funny the monologue was. Like They, they wanted to put their, their, their backing behind. They thought this stuff was really funny. And it so, was. Um, there was a lot of good stuff there, but as he, we'll see, he he's not a great sketch performer. He's a stand-up, and if the audience would have been a little bit more receptive to that type of topic, but to Brad's point, they the audience probably didn't understand if they could laugh at that. Yeah. And they weren't they weren't going to be the butt of the joke it, by by accidentally laughing. I, at something I would love like to that. talk to Shane Gillis to see if that's we'll how get him on. We'll get every him on. every live stand-up essentially for him goes is you have 10 minutes of awkwardness and then everyone feels permission to laugh right right and then you they warm up to him because there, there are comedians that can do it really well where they push the buttons we've said this on our i don't know if it was on this one or if it was on our other podcast go fix yourself i don't know how bill burr does it because he finds a way to get through some of the most controversial and things famously yep. has one particular performance i believe uh, I think it's in Boston, maybe that it's all these comedians talk about. It's the one where Bill Burr goes up and it's a festival and, and they're just shitting on him for like the first 10 minutes and he just leans into it and, and just yells at them. And then by the end of it, 
they're standing and applauding for him. Yeah. He's one of the rare guys that can pull that off. I, I mentioned this, I think, last week. Louis C.K. has said, and again, we're not fans of Louis C.K.'s, what he done and everything, but he did Speak say- Speak for yourself. Uh, in, a, in an interview that Shane Gillis is one of the only comedians he, can, he knows that can say what he says and kill at a room in Brooklyn. Yeah, and for some reason does, he doesn't does. have to be yep. Louisiana or Alabama or, or you know these these maybe uh, white supremacy hotspots where he'd be famous. There was another poster I can't remember their name on Reddit that went to the, uh, well, the pre-show. What, what what is the one dress rehearsal? Dress rehearsal Come you. on, Nate, you you host a Saturday night um, podcast, buddy. Went to the dress rehearsal and said that the audience was better. And so he did not have to do a lot of the things that he did there. Like it was clearly he was feeling it. Like gotcha. the, the, there there was some, right? I thought that joke would kill in the in the dress rehearsal as well. So he knew that joke was But he, but he do didn't well. have to quadruple down. But he didn't do it 10 times. Gotcha. Yeah. Sure. But All right. There you go. So yeah, I thought for all its problems, the monologue did have some good stuff in it. Obviously, the audience didn't go with it very well, so it felt awkward, it felt stilted, and I do wonder if it kind of informed how he felt throughout the rest of the night because it, it's not going to give you a lot of confidence yeah it, and it was it felt and, and maybe he's just not that great of a sketch performer to be honest you know at least when it comes to live stuff and we'll talk about that as we get on so let's yeah. let's get into the sketches all right church on vacation written by john higgins martin hurley ben marshall ego wodham and Asha ward uh, parents played by shane gillis and heidi gardner drag their children played by andrew smukes and molly carney to church while on vacation in jamaica Ego was on it in this sketch. Uh, <laughs> great performance by her. I didn't dislike. I actually thought Shane Gillis did fine in this. What did you guys think? Brad? Yeah, I mean, this was one that kind of leans into like him being awkward. Like yeah. the th- throughout the entire uh, episode, honestly, they utilized his like schlubby white guy energy to its full potential. Kind of in the same way that they used Bad Bunny's lack of like not speaking English very well to its full potential. But I also think that they. That's the right move. The wrong move is the Jacob Alordi where they just use the hump, the, the dumb hot guy, the hot right. guy and, yeah. and we're lazy about it. Yeah. This seems purposeful in the right way. Is that, yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. That was, was creative. No, too. there was, and there was a variety of approaches as to like what kind of like awkward white dude he was playing exactly. as well. Um, well he, we'll get into that later, but yeah. yeah. And so like, yeah, it's, you know, hearing him speak with the Jamaican accent suddenly, very funny. It was, you know. Was, Heidi Gardner clearly thought it was funny too because yeah. she kind of laughed at a couple of them. But. So yeah, the the pacing a bit awkward and it's something that you know, you'll notice like pretty much was a problem throughout every sketch in the evening. So like it's hard to nitpick, you know. Don Roy King, you know, he, he retired. There, there, uh, very, there, there very, very like, long time director. I agree. I mean, like, but I, but there's been a couple key retirements or deaths. I don't. I want necessarily. Th- I don't think it's a directing pacing issue. I think some of it is just like. Isn't he the one who goes camera two, camera three? Sure. Camera some, two? That, Isn't that him? Yeah, but th- that's not the only pacing problem in the sketch. It's, but it's there, not. It's but not a lot of these, all, that I'm all about, season though. We've noticed episode some long though, like sure. wrong cues on the cameras. Oh, of course, but I, I'm talking about Brad? like I'm talking about line delivery. No, I don't. Talking about you know that like comedic pacing. Whose turn is it? Right. Exactly. And this episode, I will say, Shane Gillis was was responsible for kind of a lot of that, where it's like, it's his turn, or is it not? It felt his like turn. there was a line or two missed at times, yeah. and yeah. that you know, of course, I I don't begrudge the guy though; he's not a sketch performer. I will I will say that because and he, based on I the will, monologue, he tried probably I, a little but nervous, I, but I will begrudge him a little bit though because. Like if he got hired for Saturday Night Live, then he should have some chops. I think that his problem and is lies in live sketch comedy because the pre tapes he's very good in the pre tapes. I said it before though, you would not have your feature performer have that much screen time with that much going on in an episode. So I don't begrudge him because you would not have a guy that barely joined SNL headlining. 
which is what they basically have to do. Sure, but at the same time, like they they've had plenty of like younger actor up and coming actors who right not but not there's actors not stand up. No, I know, but they haven't done live sketch comedy before, and that's different than anything. If if you're a movie star, if you're a TV star, and you're not, you don't do something live. They, it's still a different. I animal. think there's a, just a huge difference between somebody who has only come from a stand up background like him and anybody who's ever acted at all. That we be at stage or movie or I'm TV. sure he's done some sketch comedy stuff. Still. Oh no, he's done a ton on yeah. YouTube, but it's all pre-recorded. That's stuff. that's the thing. It's live. Not stuff. live. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Moving on, Rock Bottom Kings, a sports betting app, advertises a new gambling feature. The sketch features Keenan Thompson, Marcelo Hernandez, and Shane Gillis. The ad feels right to me. the The execution of the pre-tape was very good. This seems like an ad that you would see, which is always nice when they can find enough mimicry there to feel like an actual commercial or ad. My issue with this is there was no escalation yeah, in the exactly. pre-tape. It doesn't, it doesn't go anywhere. And so I liked, I didn't dislike the premise and there were some funny things there, but Very they, they gave it away early and then, never and then just it. did more of the same kind of Yeah. And stuff. everyone was like, in, there was no escalation, like not just in the joke or like how it evolved, but also among each of the people in the commercial like you would think that maybe one of them would get more intense or like desperate or start to feel bad but for the friend or something but because they had such a good setup of how that really goes in a commercial they locked that in and yeah. kept it and that's the mistake i almost feel like they could have like spiced it up by having one of them be like a celebrity because you always see fucking jamie fox and kevin yep. hart and yep. uh you know lou ferrigno i don't know if he's actually doing but uh, they're but, doing but those ads. especially those celebrities that aren't working as much anymore but still have the recognizable name yeah. right um the the Lou Ferrigno type of people right Holly Shore uh, they don't have enough uh time resources to do this but I always like the idea that you could cut from that to like a guy that is actually on the app like in his front yard watching his buddy uh -huh. and like she's walking out and he's like praying like if she gets in the car I fucking win my parlay <laughs> and I'm like she gets in the car and drives away and he's upset and, she, and your buddy's like yeah <laughs> yeah. I, that's the kind of escalation I wanted to see. Yeah, it is. I like the premise, just not escalation. And I do think the execution, the feel of this sketch was good. Yeah, just no escalation. Yeah, good, good, good production value. All right, HR meeting written by Mike Desenzo, John Higgins, Martin Hurley, Ben Marshall, and Jake Norwin. I guess we know why we don't have a please don't destroy yeah. sketch this week because those guys were busy writing other sketches. Two HR representatives, played by Chloe Feynman and Bowen Yang, hold a meeting about workplace relationships. The sketch also features Chloe Trost as Laurel, Ego Wodum as Carly, Keenan Thompson as Eric, Michael Longfellow as Clark, Introduce Mix as Robert, Sarah Sherman, Puggy Johnson, Heidi Gardner, and Marcelo Hernandez. Thirst Trap, Marcelo Hernandez's booty khakis. I didn't expect you to be wearing those tonight, Ben, but I'm glad you have them on. You know what? It's from the Hernandez collection, and they <laughs> are—they're made for smaller people, though. So I am—I am. My thighs are bursting out. Brad, you and I might—I did not read your review. I try not to read it beforehand. I do try I, to I, read it. I just try not to read it at all. Yeah, I actually thought Shane Gillis is, was really good in this sketch. I thought he was funny, uh, and I think it's this is one of those sketches where. His natural energy, as far as like just how he speaks and stuff like that, works for this kind of character. Yeah, because it was, he's, it's supposed to be kind of an awkward conversation. Yep. So yeah, it it definitely worked in his favor in this sketch. And then the like wheels turning type of thing. Well, yeah. so then 
if I do this, then I, you know, uh, hold yeah. on now. I just thought it was really good. He did really well in yeah, that so kind like, of so, character. So, so it'll reset next year. It's like, yeah. no, there's no resetting. That's like, <laughs> yeah. uh, but yeah, like, I can, was, I, can I bank them? <laughs> can I use them? Can I buy them from him? Like, that was, it was all great. Because, all of, that. because of his condition. <laughs> yeah. It's a, I really, I mean, I'm sorry, guys. I really thought this was great. I laughed hard. I did too. I, See, thought, it was I, I thought it was pretty amusing. I, I liked the premise a lot, but this was one of those where I felt like, the stilted, the, even though Gillis works better in this for this kind of sketch and the character he was playing, because it still felt overall stilted, it didn't land for, for me quite as firmly. Even oh, though really? I still enjoyed it, like I, I I liked it, but the entire night honestly was whenever there was a great sketch, I was just like, ugh, it would it's it's just held back because like Shane's not the best sketch performer, you know, at least in the live sketches. I, I thought I thought that was good. I thought he was fine. It I didn't take me out of it. I thought it was really good, and actually I laughed at. Uh, Shane Gillis more in this sketch than yeah. I think so they, 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 except they, one pre Yeah, but it resets at the end of the year. <laughs> this is really good. All right, moving on. Trump Sneakers, written by Mikey Day, Streeter Seidel. A struggling man, played by Shane Gillis, sees a turnaround in his life after being gifted a pair of magical sneakers from Donald Trump. The cast also features Keenan Thompson, Mikey Day, Devin Walker, Andrew Smukes, Sarah Sherman, and James Austin Johnson. If you have not been paying attention, there was actually Trump sneakers that were put together. Kudos to those who designed these very, very quickly and got them in a sketch uh, because they looked good. I, I think they just maybe they just bought a pair. I hope not. I hope not. I don't <laughs> think they would. But some asshole paid nine thousand dollars for a pair. What? Yep. Shane Gillis has a pretty famous Trump impression, so he was able to do it here. He does. And it. I, my assumption is this is why the sketches. Yeah. Exist. Sh- Shane Gillis is actually a pretty a good... skilled impressionist. Well, I'm willing to bet this is probably why he was hired at the yeah. time because he was hired before James Austin Johnson came around, and they the only Trump they had was Alec Baldwin. Uh, and so I would imagine that they were hoping that he could be their Trump, and then obviously that went to hell. So they needed to find somebody, you know, and that's where James. Austin so Johnson he's going to host, and he's going to pre- break out that Trump impression because it's a pretty good one. I did like, I did like seeing like James, James Austin Johnson and him head to head because it does show you two very talented impersonators and their different takes on the James Austin Johnson is better. He, he, oh, he is. He but has the James Austin Johnson's is more cartoonish and he he has a lot more of the subtle traits. That's the thing. His subtle like the way the way he so the way he good. does filler filler conversations and just, and, and the breathe in thing that yeah. Donald Trump does. But and, I I do appreciate Gillis's though because Gillis's feels a little more grounded and yeah. a little more it's, realistic. It sounds kind of more like him. Yeah. But again, that's not necessarily a good thing when you're doing an impression. There's yeah, almost right? there is almost a level where it can almost become too good well um, when, I, when <laughs> I saw this i was like oh yeah his isn't as good as james austin johnson but i just meant it's just not as pointed yeah there's just not a, there's it's not, not it's not as funny yeah i like the premise of this though the idea that because donald trump is that guy right oh yeah He's, he is all about claiming things that he doesn't earn and that the sneakers essentially turn you into this that was a two-hour love making session the only reason we're not going again is because you're tired yeah, no, I. Good stuff. This was, I it was, was hilarious. Yeah, doing a riff on like Mike with these magic shoes was was perfect. It was good, and then the fact that he starts slowly looking like Trump and everything yep. too. It worked out really well. This was a very well done. What did you guys think of the bringing the Biden stuff in there? I thought the Velcro shoes was really funny. Honestly, <laughs> uh, I, you didn't need it, and I feel like they did it just to be like, no, we'll make fun of Biden too. And here's Mikey Day's shitty Joe Biden impression. Yeah, Mikey Day's. It was it's bad. It was, but it was. Especially five, it when was, you do a pre-tape, it like was five seconds like, long though, and it didn't. It didn't bother me. Does James Austin Johnson not have a? It, it bothered Biden? me because it was the end, and you didn't need it. Oh sure. Does James Austin Johnson have a Biden? 
Sure. I think he did. Yeah. He oh he you know he did Biden uh when I saw him do stand up in Chicago and it's it's good. So if you've got a pre tape, you can have him do both, right? But you want but you, you want the same person who's gonna do it live and on, on pre tape. So like Mikey Day is clearly their person now. So yeah. get what you get. All right. <laughs> get what you get. Moving it's better on. Better than my Biden. What give me your Biden? Oh, I'm Joe Biden. Ah, oh, jeez. No, yeah, no. Yes, yeah. Jesus, I told you. Doing about as good of jokes, too. All right. What? <laughs> the Floor game show contestants. Is this a real show? It is. Played by Shane Gillis, Bone Yang, Heidi Gardner, and Ego Wodum, compete for a cash prize by identifying as many photos as they but can. But they don't just show you photos, right? The show I, also I don't know features <laughs> Michael Longfellow as Rob Lowe, not doing Rob Lowe. Um, uh, that's a well, little, uh, to be fair, the only way you can do a Rob Lowe impression is literally. if you do Chris Traeger from Parks and Recreation. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, which I would have done honestly. I would have tried to do some he, of those. He, he did a little bit of the cadence though, because I, I I saw a little bit of it there. I think it was great. <laughs> this was the, hey, you know what? And it, what's your what, do your Rob Lowe? Yeah, do your Rob Lowe. Impression. I'm not an impression. Oh, 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 oh now it's harder. Now it's so much harder. Yeah. The oddest and most ab- abrupt ending of the night. Yeah, in some, someone someone let an unfinished script get on, <laughs> onto the show. Uh, so weird. Yeah, it's so so weird. Such a mess. And like, I think that the, what made it extra frustrating was that we've seen premises like this executed far better before, where somebody doesn't understand, you know, like the the racial nuances of history and things like that, and other people. There was something that was kind of funny about the way Gillis was just casually going through. Ah, uh, yeah, pass. Uh, yeah, but I thought he, I thought he was funny in this. Lo- love really go, go Warriors pass. Yeah, because he's like he knows enough. And then t- the, his defense is like, I just didn't want to get it wrong. Yeah, because yep. that's worse yep. than than, not, than is, being racist which and is not hilarious, knowing. Right, and you've all been in these positions where we forget things because we're under the pressure. And I don't want to like, be I don't, wrong. I don't, don't want to be wrong. Be wrong here. Here. I don't want to be wrong here. Still, I think he did pretty well in this sketch, actually. Yeah, Ego Wodum's part, she did fine, but I didn't. It didn't have the same effect as no. uh, what what Shane Gillis's did. So the escalation there kind of lost a little momentum, and then the it sketch just, just fizzled yeah. out. What was that? I have no idea. Yeah, was there some? Uh, I don't know if you've watched the sketch, like rewatched it on YouTube at all. But um, if you rewatch it, you'll you'll see as soon as they fade, you'll hear Shane Gillis laugh. So I don't know if there was something there that didn't work like out. Something didn't like, work. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You just hear him kind of do his Shane Gillis yeah. laugh. Um, but. He did it a couple times though at the end. Yeah, it's it's uh, like as soon as the sketch was over, he, he, was, yeah. he was like, "Okay, come on, everybody, yeah. let's, let's go." It happened in the sex doll one too. Yeah. Uh, well, but well, well, we'll, 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 get, we'll get to that. that. We'll get to that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, Weekend update: time. Trump wins South Carolina primary. Biden raises fifty-six million dollars for campaign. Oh, we can update anchors Colin Jost and Michael Che tackle the week's biggest stories like the Alabama Supreme Court ruling, uh, frozen embryos or children. Well, let's let's talk about the predometer so real really, quick. really quickly. Brad, get on your calcu- uh, calculator app now. Cap calculator app right now. And put, yeah, because put, put your number. Because we, we don't, don't we don't believe that maybe you're not uh, you're not doing it right. We've been friends for a long time. We still don't trust you. Yeah. Uh, so the Brenhammer is is, is it, yes, there is influenced by how good the weekend update uh, bit is, but it's more about do Colin Jost and Michael J have that little un unsaid unsaid vibe connection? Are they having a good time with you? And a lot of times, said connection where they kind of make little jokes to each other. That's the Brenhammer. The higher the number, the more likely they were really goofing around and having a good time with each other. And I think that they goofed around and had a good time with each other a lot this episode. Oh, really? I didn't. I'm gonna go. I was gonna go fifty five. Whoa, really? Mm-hmm. They, 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 he, they directly talked to each other a couple times. 
Yeah, but it was fine. I'm going 80. All right. What do you got, Brad? And survey says 75. See, I didn't like this weekend update. I didn't think it was great. Oh, I didn't think the weekend update overall was great, but they they did have moments where they did directly interact with each other. It was it wasn't like uh, a riot or anything like that, but there were they were there, definitely talking. There was definitely interaction. And then Colin, there was some Colin interaction, doing, but I didn't think it was great. Colin yeah. telling that racist joke basically that definitely Michael J wrote. The Back History yeah. Month was, graphic was, in Colin was, was hilarious. That was, I, that, that was the one thing. That was the one thing that I thought. Oh, that that's a great little bit. Um, that's going to go on the predometer. It's going to move that up a little bit, but I didn't think it was much better than than fifty percent. So, well, you know, you need to know Brad a little bit more. So, what did you guys think? You I'm always over. wrong on this. Yeah, you. Oh went my over. god, so I won. Um, <laughs> so it's not prices right rules. Yeah, it is. Oh, it has been. It always has been. Um, oh, okay. Okay. So, what did you guys actually think of the 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 jokes and the structure of the weekend update? Uh, I thought it was okay. I didn't think that the uh, guests at the desk were particularly. We're gonna get to those, yeah. Yeah. The uh, but yeah, we'll we'll talk about that here in a second. But yeah, the the joke jokes themselves. I didn't were, think we're great. Yeah, we're fine. Not not super memorable. Not I think it's one of the worst, honestly, for me for the season. Oh, there's a worst. I laughed, but I, I just there just wasn't was a fantastic. lot of good stuff in my opinion. And then it made it was made worse by the bits. So we can update a bit a frozen embryo from Alabama. A frozen embryo from Alabama played by Marcelo Hernandez stops by Weekend Update to discuss the state's Supreme Court's recent ruling. Um, so essentially, Alabama is going to ban IVF treatment, all of the stuff, because they Their believe kids. an embryo is a life. And so you cannot discard a life, so then IVF is out, all these kind of things. I love Marcelo Hernandez. I love him. I think he's a fantastic cast member. His stand-up is wonderful. But this would have been better, in my opinion, with Sarah Sherman. And uh, maybe even a super dry Michael Longfellow would have been really good here. See, I didn't that's think what he I was w- thinking. The, the Michael Longfellow is the guy that is really doing well with the big, yep. bold character work. I don't, I, don't, I don't know if this, for me, fit his person, uh, the, the Marcelo Hernandez personality well. What did you guys think? Yeah, it just... I mean, there wasn't really a lot of sharp writing here, like especially because they kept repeating that. Wait, how do you know this? And it's like, yeah, we get it. He's a fucking embryo. Move on. Find some. Find a different joke to make. Um, it just wasn't all that great of a bit. Like they spent so much time on this, and they didn't really have anything strong enough to like drive it to make it worth it. They've done these things before, where there's been a a, a major um, change in you know human rights or women's rights. And then a Cecily Strong is going to come on and do something that weekend or something but and even, do commentary. Even Michael Longfellow as a cigarette butt, yeah, was there, great. There, right? there, this would this did not meet the moment, I don't think, and the comedy wasn't great. What do you think, Ben? No, it was. I mean, to Brad's point, right? Uh, how do you know that? And then it's the same kind of like, oh, I don't know what I know, you know. But you know, they, a couple jabs at Colin, like I'm just an, a, a, an untalented white blob like sure but if you're gonna do that and attack joe's then let me hear sarah sherman doing it and nobody gets to say this just in on the weekend update desk anymore unless it's sarah sherman yeah. right because she she owns that now um, <laughs> she owns that now this just in no I, this i of the two this is by far the the worst one because i actually like the truman capote one all right let's move on then weekend update bit truman capote on women's history month written by allison gates will steven and ken sublet Truman Capote, played by Bo and Yang, stops by a weekend update to communi- to commemorate Women's History Month. Uh, you've said this many times, oh Ben. Boy, here we go. That women are like kombucha, full of <laughs> yeast and technically alive. I mean, and so it was nice to see that actually work into the sketch. I really think that this it just worked. Like uh, he, he 
bring, I don't know why. So he brings up Amelia Earhart and he just goes, look at that hat. And then by the third one, he's like, mm, look at that hat. That that got me. Like just the fact that they all had hats on. And, they, and then the, he's just making these outlandish kind of like Betsy Russell because she can only count to 13. These are so, they're really funny jokes. There was me. a lot of people that said, you know, obviously this is a very dated impression, Truman Capote. But apparently Ryan Murphy's doing something. Yeah, with no, it's it, it's right top. Now. Yeah, top right now because there's it's it's from the show Feud. It's like Capote versus like the Swans or something like that. Yeah. And so like it's it's literally about people didn't some some people didn't realize that yeah. actually Truman Capote is actually a having a cultural moment, right? Yeah. So if you're if you don't if you're not worldly enough to know that and then start shitting on it without actually looking up if you're right or wrong. Like I don't have room we'll for you. The and also, guess what? Sometimes you can do fucking random yeah. impressions of people who aren't like in the news yeah. or anything yeah. right now. I, like, I fucking grow up. I just I, I, clearly Drew McGowan has a very real uh, thing, uh, you know, where he shit on women, and so th- he was just a very catty individual. In yeah, general. in general. But like watching Bo and Yang work like this was great. I thought it was very funny. He was having fun too. What did you think of it, Brad? Yeah, no, his his impression of Capote is great. Uh, he was he was having fun. He was enjoying it. I didn't necessarily think it was the strongest bit to do at the desk, um, but I would definitely love to see Bo and Yang playing Truman Capote again if given the opportunity. I wouldn't like be upset. Eleanor about it. Roosevelt pushed him down. This the audience didn't laugh because it's too soon for that joke. Like that's that's the kind of so going back to this audience. Really, you're not gonna laugh yeah. at that. That's a funny fucking joke. There's the ability to be a little bit of Stefan in here too, where you're continuing to bring up pictures, and Truman Capote gets to kind of riff on them, right? Or like something there where it can be recurring. I think, like you said, Brad, where uh, Bo Yang brings this character back and riffs on even contemporary pictures and things like that. I think I it think was it great. I, I would I would watch it again. All right, moving on. Gump, written by Mikey Day, John Higgins, Martin Hurley, Ben Marshall, and Streeter Seidel. Who's busy on Destroy Boys? Busy, 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 bees. busy bees. Former students, played by Shane Gillis, Mikey Day, Andrew Smooks, Chloe Feynman, Heidi Gardner, and James Austin Johnson, are attending a high school reunion. I like that they connected it to this idea that like Shane Gillis is a character from the movie. He's the one that was driving the truck. Uh, I also like that we all have friends that clearly peaked in high school and are living why are you looking right at me no, no reason peaked at high school still going up um, baby but i thought it was fine I, I didn't think it was great you know what this sketch does it shows you how much people still remember the nuances of a movie that came out in 1994 for sure because the lieutenant dan stuff hit the jenny stuff hit the yeah. mama stuff the bubbles it all hit yeah that's that's the that's the mark, honestly. You lose the of joke a, after a while, right? An, yeah, you, you you lose it, or or the or a, a twenty year old audience doesn't understand that. But man, when <laughs> come on, man, stand up. <laughs> that was gr- I laughed yeah. knowing what was coming. I laughed really hard at that. It was still a little stilted for me at times. Like sure. the- and, it's, and it was mostly Gillis's fault. His like he can't help but just read straight from the cue card, and it was really frustrating. It's sometimes. too bad because he does well in it. Like he, yeah. like when he actually can can feel. A little more comfortable. He does well in this role, but agreed, he didn't. He didn't read it real well. Yeah, he didn't now, it, ben, but it didn't really take it out of that too much for me, though. I still enjoyed it a lot. Now, Ben, how would you feel if Heidi Gardner gave you an award that you picked in high school? I would take that award and sniff it a lot. Huh. <laughs> okay, I'm just I would. I would. I would accept. All right. All right. Moving on. Fugliana, written by Mike Desenzo, Jake Norwin, Sarah Sherman, and Asha Ward. A commercial advertises an average-looking sex doll. Well, uh, yeah. And I'm sorry. Looking. Sorry, I'm gonna interrupt. You just brought up Heidi Gardner. She shouldn't have been in the sketch. You well, can't make her look. Nothing. All right. 
The sketch also features James Austin Johnson as Robert S. Mikey Day as Doug Z. Andrew Smooks as Michael A. And Sarah Sherman, Heidi Gardner, Punky Johnson, and Chloe Feynman as Fugliana Dolls. I honestly think all four of them have a hard time yeah, being ugly. Of course. When I was watching this sketch, you know what I thought is, I think Kyle... How do I get one of these? No, I think Kyle... Moody, yeah, Ben was infinitely excited when he saw Heidi Gardner had a sex doll. I messaged Brent. <laughs> I think Kyle Moody would have done really well as one of the guys in this. Oh, yeah. I, I, well, I think, that's just mean. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly don't think that some of them did an awkward guy really well. James Austin Johnson doesn't do an awkward guy in here real well, I don't think. I think Kyle Mooney's awkwardness where you almost believe you know, that he is. They don't all have to be the same, though, and I appreciated that they were differing levels of average kind of weird dudes. Yeah, I, I just I felt like this was a sketch that Kyle Mooney would have excelled in, and I kind of missed him in this sketch. What did you guys think of it? Yeah, I this was one of the ones that I, I liked more, I think, uh, than than the others. And it was uh, very Sarah Shermany. Yeah, and well, and I think a lot of the laughs came from watching the the women and their physical comedy, just the way that they like. Punky Johnson just and, he, and Mikey not now. <laughs> they just slowly so lean over and fall over. Uh, Sarah Sherman was especially like making Gillis break, um, and so yeah, it was it was a lot of fun watching them do the physical comedy and then having the guys be be awkward and like just j- the the premise was was fun and it worked better as a live commercial than it would have if it was a pre-tape because oh, yeah. of that yeah um but I, and I do wonder so what do you guys think at the very end it was the last line when, planned. yeah when sarah sherman did he, i don't i don't think gillis knew i don't think it was but planned. i think that they i think it was planned but i don't think gillis knew that it was gonna yeah happen. The, there was a surprise she, for him did she talk normally yeah well she because she uh, she says uh, what what did she say it's um it, it's like she's like oh that's weird or something yeah. like that. and he's, he's like oh <laughs> yeah you're like you were supposed to talk yeah oh, yeah yeah definitely like a, a pre-planned thing for yeah. her and, to do to him and they were having fun yeah, again for sure. another Sarah Sherman gives I think a big hug at the end too they seem to get along fairly well um yeah I liked it I thought it was really, really funny because he, he, that was genuine surprise on his face for sure yeah I liked it all right moving on they're listening a group of friends played by Shane Gillis Heidi Gardner Sarah Sherman Devin Walker and Andrew Smukes discuss how technology listens to them um this one's most stilted of the night. Yeah. yeah, this was the one that I I truly felt that like there was something really funny here. And it wasn't always Shane Gillis either because somebody else missed their line and it was just it was there, really- well I think Shane Gillis missed one line then Heidi Gardner just moved on to her line and then it yeah. just there there was there was like a ripple effect and because and because Shane Gillis's character is supposed to be reading from his phone and instead he's looking up over like in the corner where the cue cards are yeah, yeah there's technology now guys just put it on the phone it, it did put seem, the lines on the phone yeah that is a good point <laughs> it, it did seem like this. This was the least rehearsed. I do like the premise, though. I have seen people complain on my, you know, forums and stuff like oh, no, that. It's happened to me about the the ads. We're like, can we get can we get the can we get the site to change these ads? Because I'm getting like like porn ads and stuff. I'm like I'm like, dude, because of your search history, right? <laughs> like that's how cookies work. But yeah, I like I, the it, the premise. My of mom that. thinks that the phone's listening. It's like, mom, it's not listening. But what it is doing is reading your text messages and reading your best friend's text messages and reading your your brother's text messages and, and your son's text messages. That. And if if so if I text Alex, my brother, what we should like we, we need to get mom a koozie for her cup for Christmas, my mom's gonna start to see koozie ads because clearly that's how that works. I will lean into the little bit of the conspiracy side of this though because Go on. there have been times COVID wasn't real. No, yeah. when when ads have popped up and it's been for things that I have not texted about recently but were mentioned in a conversation with with, with somebody 
And so, and I, if that person at all texts anybody else about that subject whatsoever, I was talking to Brad the other day. We talked about uh, it'll show up on your thing because the internet knows you're connected. I don't believe that. <laughs> That's so much easier than if your phone is listening to you. That doesn't make sense. No, that's not true at all. It's way easier to think that your phone, that the phone, the apps are just listening all the time. No, the, uh, we're not getting into this, but the the level of data that these companies have on everybody, and the level of how much they know you know people, like like they know that you and Charlie Young are very good yeah, friends. Yeah, because they're listening. <laughs> we get it. Thank you, oh thank you, Ben, for telling me. Yeah, they're they're, they're listening. It's all not the how time. data works. Data not works. Phone calls are data, buddy. I don't think they need. They to literally listen. charge they me for data. Exactly. They don't need. To. No, but they do. So they are. <laughs> All right, that is the episode. We do have one one uh, cut for time sketch. Which should have easily been in the show. We're gonna get into that. Yeah. So if you go to the SNL YouTube page, any sketches that they cannot reuse, usually because they have the host in them, right? Uh, they will. They've recorded them in dress rehearsal, and they will put them on. You know the what? YouTube I want to. I want to start to see pre tapes featuring. Old hosts yeah. in new episodes, like, hey, listen, the this one's not going that well. Put that Shane Gillis one in. <laughs> All right, Limu, Emu, and Doug, written by Streeter Seidel, with assists from Rosebud Baker and Stephen Castillo. In this cover time sketch, things goes things go off the rails when Limu, Emu, and Doug, played by Shane Gillis from Liberty Mutual, try to help a customer, played by Marcelo Hernandez, with insurance. Such great puppetry in this sketch. Mm-hmm. It was it was so genius. It was so hilarious. Good. I could I could have done. It's only like a two minute sketch. It's not it literally long. could have fit exactly in the slot that the Rock Bottom Kings one does. And I don't know why you don't replace that one with this one. It is it is honestly one of the funniest sketches I think I've seen all year. It is it, all season. It is really fun. And it's not like it got pulled because they didn't like they got pushed back from the lawyers about Liberty Mutual because they put it online. Yeah. So it's still out there. So we know that because originally I thought, oh, this is really it's like the Safe Flight commercial from yeah. when um And that one Beck, is gone. Beck now. Bennett uh did that. That was horrible, also hilarious. hilarious. Yep. I get it, right? But uh, maybe they, you know, well, dump it online, but don't make it part of the show so we don't get backlash again. Nah. No. No way. I don't no. know. I, I do wonder what the decision making was here because it's very funny. It's it's it, like this dark. You if you know, haven't seen it, go online right now. Check it out. It's hilarious. Riffing on Training Day. I mean, it's and only like two cops. minutes, isn't it? Yeah, right? yeah it's, seriously, it's just two minutes it's long. It's so funny. The the poster that I talked about earlier on on the subreddit that's on subreddit did talk about at the end the director or whoever it was uh, directing the sketches was panicking about getting this this last sketch done. Um, the the their listening sketch, but that might just be always the last sketch. Sure. The director doing that. I don't up know. So we can go to good nights. But, yeah, because and again, the good nights normally, if if it goes a little bit short, then you can fill. And it's like I, I thank my mom and I, the music cut in, and they were cutting him off because he was he was about to say you know thank you to the cast crew. He got to thank Twenty One Savage and the two other people. Also, you know what's weird. So I only noticed this because I went and looked up to see if uh, you could see more of of the good nights afterwards to see yeah. what happened between Bowen and and Shane because I yeah. I saw that they were getting ready to go towards each other and then, but uh, here in our neck of the woods, the affiliate I think cuts in sooner to start whatever show comes after SNL even if the good nights like the credits on SNL aren't finished because there were videos online that. Did actually show yeah. Shane and Bowen hugging, hugging. so oh, it obviously I, played longer. And I watched somewhere it. On, else. I watched it on Peacock, and they did hug there. So yeah, so that yeah, so the affiliate definitely cuts in on yep. on live then. So which is really nice. So fuck you, NBC. Yeah, because I I didn't have to look that up online at all. Know. I saw it. Uh, yeah, uh, I don't. I don't. I don't. 
I watched it live, so I saw him cut out. But I did end up seeing because I wanted to see. You, you know, I want the tea, right? Did which, you go which back cast on? members? I think I saw it on the tw- I think Twitter. Uh, that's now Twitter yeah. page puts it on there. Yeah, just guys, just watch it on Peacock. I watched it live on Peacock. Uh, I watched it on. I watched it live on NBC. I, I watched this, the recorded on my YouTube TV. So, but, oh, oh, Ben wins again. So, all right, that's the episode. Let's your, get into who's our your MVP? MVP and favorite sketch of the night. Yeah, who would you guys? Who tell me, Nate? I I honestly don't have one. I I wasn't sure who to go with. Tell me, Nate. Um, I'm gonna go with. Tell me, Nate. Wow. Okay. No, it it it, it was really hard for me because I didn't think there was a ton of standout for me, but I'm gonna go with. It's Sarah Sherman. Sarah Sherman. That's exactly what I was going to go with. <laughs> it's yep. Sarah Sherman. It was Sarah Sherman or James Austin Johnson, but but James Austin Johnson just was in a decent amount of sketches. I don't think he had any standout It's thing. Sarah Sherman. It's Sarah Sherman's uh, role in the Fugliana sketch was really, really good. I thought she did really well there, so I'm going to go with her. Echo Wodum had a pretty good night. Echo Wodum had a pretty good night, too. Yeah, I guess it was Sarah Sherman. Mike yeah, it was Sarah Sherman. But don't you think Echo had a pretty good night? Sure. Best sketch of the night. Can oh, we do the, the cover time, time sketch? <laughs> no, for me it was Trump shoes. You like that better than that cover time? Yeah. Uh, no, I think the cover just time. Just a bit. One. Just a bit. I thought the cover time one was just genius. A bit. Just I love the premise of bit. it. Just a bit. I, I thought it was great. Just what would you bit. say? Cover time, Ben? Um. Yeah, I mean the cover time one is 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 hilarious. But if it had to be a live sketch, I mean I still think the Gump one was great. I, I thought that was. It was really unexpected that they would do a Forrest Gump sketch. Trump shoes better. Uh, I think that that's I said I said live, right? I said if it had to be live, it doesn't have to be live. It just has to be I one know, of the normal sketches. I know, but <laughs> mm-hmm. I just said out. We've loud. never ever said it had to be live though. So why would you make that we, stipulation? We ha- I have talked about that before. No, we it was a no. pre-tape, and then I go, yeah. But as far as the live sketches, I like this one the best, and we've no. definitely talked like that. Yeah, but whenever you pick your best, it can be a pre-tape or a live. It's the cover time is the best, and then my second favorite one is the live. But you didn't have to specify like that. Sure well, we're picking live sketches. But I didn't think there was a... Was there a terrible sketch? Yes. Which one? The floor. Yeah, that was... that was. Uh, you know what? I, just, Though, I, I, I do think there was some funny bits. I, in that. I thought think Shane Gillis' bits about the, 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 the black yeah, stuff. Not, not like recognizing the black that. Like, that yeah. was and, and Rock Bottom Kings was pretty bad, too. Rock Bottom Kings, that was fun, but it wasn't terrible. I think that the worst one was the listening one. It was just... it was No, because that one was... like that. The sketch wasn't terrible. It was just executed poorly. I didn't really laugh. I laughed. Yeah, I left. Because you think they're actually listening? Though. No, just because I think that the idea of it being a Green Bay Packers butt plug that plays the team's fight song. Is I will say funny. when he when when, when that song his... started playing, and I saw where it was going, I did start laughing. Yeah, that was pretty. Good. That's funny. All right, that's the episode. We'd love to hear from you. Comment uh, on this post where we post it on our Twitter and our Facebook page. Let us know what your favorite sketch of the night was and your MVP because we always enjoy reading those. Uh, we're in the first of three episodes. Brad, who is our next host and uh, guest on the the? It's called Saturday Night Live. No, I was gonna say <laughs> yeah, on the we'll... podcast. I'm like, I don't think she's coming on though. I don't think we've confirmed that. We will be back after the March second episode, uh, and it will be Sydney Sweeney, the star of the blockbuster hit Madam Web, uh, <laughs> and she will be joined by musical guest Casey Musgraves. Both no. of them, not I'll, hard to look at. I will have a lot of euphoria watching that show. And then we've got another new episode Gross, after that. Ben. It's the show she was on. I know, but you're talking about masturbation. I'm not. Yeah, you are. I'm not. I know, talk- you're, talk- I know you're talking about a big blast. Whoa, what, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? <sighs> it's a big and then we got treat. another new episode after that. Who is it? We'll talk about it after the next one. 
No, it's tell Josh Brolin and Ariana uh, Grande. Jesus, you gotta spoil it, don't you? Just like, just let people live. For They've a announced week. both of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah out but there. just let people live for. We're a week. an SNL podcast telling people about SNL. Yeah, That's... we don't have to ruin it though. Like, <laughs> why is that ruining it? It's not ruining it. They'll find out next week, man. Is... Just like give them something to look forward to. Nate, can I t- can I talk to you here? Yeah, please. Sir. Uh, do you want this to just be me and you from now on? Do we really? Do you remember when you missed? Yeah, do you guys want to have zero listeners? When we were have zero listeners, you want to have a podcast about SNL where every every time they start, they don't know how to start the fucking show i thought we did fine yeah. all right well i want to thank it's you so much for podcast. <laughs> i'm gonna jizz with your host Battleman. wow all right we've got another podcast go flicks yourself uh if you want to listen to that go to go flicks yourself pod.com or just find go flicks yourself wherever podcasts are found brad where can people find you online you can find me at ethan underscore anderton on twitter or i review new episodes of saturday night live on slashfilm.com usually on sunday uh late morning sometimes the afternoon if i'm feeling a little bit tired uh but you can <laughs> you can check out a full review with even more of my thoughts on the episode on slashfilm.com ben you got anything dad nope all right thank you so much for listening we're going to be back next week again it's it's such a joy to, to do this show with you we love all the feedback we get uh, if you're not following us on social media, please do give us a rating if you can. It helps us out and it helps share this podcast with other listeners. Yeah, we, we got a couple hundred listeners, right? Yeah, we do pretty so, well. So yeah, listen, if you're listening, you're not alone. No. You're not you're not the weird person listening. There are literally dozens, if not hundreds, of you. Yep. Except for you, uh, Todd. You're weird. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sorry, Todd. Everyone else, be good to yourself. Be good to others. Bye bye. <laughs>